Ion 2020, episode 121. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, bringing you the news and the related events daily for the lead up to the 2020 election. Ion 2020, that's why I started this show, was to get you guys all the information I can with regards to what's going on with these candidates. Um, We do have the debates coming up, and that's getting to be exciting. I started doing this show way back in January, and I continue to just put out more and more episodes. It's been six months now, and... I can't believe I've made it this far, and the reason why I say that is because there have been times when I'm doing these shows and I'm just thinking to myself, there is no news out there, or it's the same old thing, and it's caused me to start trying to take shows, this show, in a little bit different direction, more towards a call-to-action type show, while I'm still focusing on these candidates, and that's, that's what I've had to do, because... To be honest with you guys, I've been watching these candidates on the Democratic ticket, and it just drives me absolutely crazy watching them just continue to pander to every constituency they can. They're all about identity politics. That's all they care about. They go to this group and that group and try to give out more and more stuff and promise more and more stuff, and then they promise that there's plenty of money to pay for it if we just tax the rich. And it's really hard to watch it. But I do it. I'm doing it for you. I'll continue to do it for you guys. Because that's what I committed to. Is to continue to do this show. Monday through Friday until until November of 2020. And I hope that you enjoy what I'm done talking about lately though. Because I have gotten off of topics. When it comes to the, the election. And the reason why. Is because I do think that it's important for us to act as a group. To start maybe just getting a little bit more of a presence out there and talking to more people and letting them know more about the libertarian movement. Letting them know more about liberty and freedom and individual responsibility and non-aggression. The main thing though is non-aggression. That libertarians, that's what we believe in. So I've been trying to bring more of a call to action to you guys. So I hope that I'm not going overboard with that, though. That's one thing I've been trying not to do. But, you know, that, that's been kind of like what's been weighing on my heart lately. So I've been bringing those shows to you guys like that. Now, I do want to focus in on the election in some ways. Well, especially now that we're getting into the debate season, it'll be interesting to watch. But I was thinking about this the other day. These debates that are coming up, how are these people going to di- differentiate themselves? That's what I'm wondering. And I say this kind of comically because all of them say the same exact thing every single time they talk. If you look at all 23 candidates just about, all of them are promising free medicine. 
All of them are, but they all have different ways that they want to get to it. Some of them say we just need universal health care immediately. Some of them say we need to have a Medicare single single payer system. One, some of them say this, some of them say that, but they all have the same plan, which is for the government to take over health care. And how are they going to pay for it? The rich. Next issue, college tuition. Yep, they all want to give it away free. They all want a debt forgiveness. They all want this. They all want that. How are we going to do it? We're going to, we're going to tax the rich. We have plenty of money. Just tax the rich. Get rid of the Trump tax cuts. That's what we'll do. Because just before those, the t- just before those tax cuts went in, into place, we had plenty of money as it was, right? There was so much money out there. The government was running surpluses every day. That's just the way it was before the Trump tax cuts, right? Yeah, right. So... That's not the way that it's going to happen. But when you're sitting there watching these debates, I just don't know how any of them are going to be differentiating themselves. Republicans, I don't know. I don't know how they would how they would differentiate themselves back then either in 2016. I mean, it was really just a Trump show back then. Trump, you know, talking bad about this guy and that, bad, about that, bad about that person. But on the Democrat side, it's really just going to be kind of like a who looks better than Joe Biden? Who speaks better? But literally, they're all saying the same exact thing. That's what it seems like to me. And I've looked at all of their issues. I have. I've covered them. The only one that, like, there's one person that stands out, Andrew Yang, who wants to have the universal basic income. And he's really focusing his campaign on one particular issue. And he has a few issues that he kind of gives sidebar to. But He's the only one that's just, that's his central theme is that, hey, we need to move the economy into the 21st century. We need to do that with a universal basic income and blah, 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 right? But all the other ones on the social issues, they're all the same. The Tulsi Gabbard, she kind of makes anti-war one of the more prominent things on her webpage. She makes anti-war a peaceful foreign policy, kind of like the, the centerpiece of her campaign. That's good. That's good. But on social issues, she's the same as all of them. Pete Buttigieg, even lately, I was watching some of the shows, the Sunday shows, and he was on one of them. And he's even started to turn on foreign policy in the sense that he's saying that we need to be a little bit more skeptical about the never-ending wars and all that. But then he did say this which got me kind of concerned. He said, we need to end all these, the the never-ending wars that we have going on so we can prepare for the wars of the future. So in his mind, what does he mean by that? I'm wondering, I'm not sure, but is it Russia? Is it China? North Korea? Iran? What is it? I'm not sure. But that's what he said. And he was just saying that because he has to pander in some way to the military-industrial complex, I think. Being a military guy, that's what he has to do. So I was just, I don't know. I mean, I just, when I watch these candidates, when you're watching, when you're watching these debates, it'll be very interesting to see how they question them. Now, I've said this in the past, and I think I said it on yesterday's show, Healthcare is the number one issue that Democrats want to hear about. It's like 45%. They want 
that's the number one issue that they want to hear about. So that's going to be a main point of topic, like a main point of conversation on these debate stages. But if all of them are saying the same exact thing about it, then what is the differentiating factor? Who says it the most clearly? Who says it with a smile? Who says it, you know, like who who looks the nicest when they say it? I don't know. Who they feel the most confident can beat Donald Trump when they say it? What's How are they? I don't know. I mean, I just don't know how they're going to differentiate themselves because they all say they want Medicare for all. Single-payer health care. That should be a stepping stone towards, you know, government-run health care, but we need to have single-payer first. So that that's just the way that all these candidates are. It's just absolutely going to be fun funny for me to watch it but don't worry guys i will watch it for you so you don't have to sit there for three hours for two nights drudging just going through the terrible drudgery of uh having to watch a bunch of pandering politicians up there trying to get your vote or the vote of other democrats so anyway um pete Buttigieg, who is behind this guy that is the other topic one of the other topics I wanted to talk about today. And the reason why is because he gets on these shows and I watched, I think I've watched two or three shows with him on it. And every line that he has, he sounds concise and clear when he talks. He sounds like a politician. He sounds like the guy that can be president. I said that in the past. He sounds like he has that charisma that Donald Trump has. He's kind of like the sleeper in the in the group. And I said that when he was at 1% and I watched him. And now that he's at like 8 or 9% in third in some of these polls, I still say it. But there is more to this guy than what meets the eye. And let me tell you why. I mean, why on earth, this is my skepticism, why would a mayor from South Bend, Indiana, decide that he's going to run for president of the United States? A mayor has never gone further than, let's say, Rudy Giuliani, who didn't win any of the states in 2008. He had the Florida, you know, so he had the Florida strategy that didn't work. Now, Pete Buttigieg, he's going straight into Iowa, he's going into New Hampshire, that's where he's spending his money in those first states. But why would he decide to run? And why would he run, raise a million dollars the first day of his campaign? How does that happen for a mayor of South Bend, Indiana, a small town in Indiana? There's more to this story than meets the eye. There has to be. And that's what I, that's another point of topic that I wanted to say today. Now, I did a little bit of research on this guy. And being a military guy, you know, he had great, he had good service and all that stuff. Um... My wonder is if he somehow was kind of chosen, chosen to get into politics, kind of like moving him through the ranks type thing, and somebody told him that this was his time because it is a different type of election. It is. They're going against Donald Trump, who has no executive experience in in any type of in any form, no political experience in the past, right? Somebody that's a sort of perceived as a weak candidate right now 
So you're going against someone like that. So if Pete Buttigieg can win over the hearts and minds of the Democratic electorate and get himself to be the nominee, then he might be able to beat Donald Trump. This is the type of situation where that can happen. So, hey, let's get him into the mayor role and then keep him on hold. He's going to be like our 2024 guy maybe, right? Get him into the Senate in Indiana. Let him run for six, stay there for four to six years, and then we'll go ahead and have him run for president because he's a good-looking guy. He's a white guy, but he's also a minority being gay, right? So Democrats love that stuff. They love the identity politics, like I always say. So Pete Buttigieg, but I think there's more to this story than meets the eye. And the reason why I say that is because I was looking at a little bit of information on the guy, and he is supported by the Clinton money. And when I say that, let me get into who is the person that is supporting his campaign. One of his major donors that's supporting his campaign was also one of the major donors to the Hillary Clinton campaign. What does that tell you? So Susie Tompkins Buell is the person, I guess she was the president of Esprit Clothing Company and also uh, is the wife of the founder of North Face Clothing Company. And they're huge mega donors. They're like the people that bundle campaign money. They send out invitations for like $2,500 donations to these parties for these sit-down dinners, and then the person will come and speak. Well, she has decided to support him for the presidency of the United States. Of all the 23 candidates, now she was also... The, one of the major donors to the Clinton campaign in 2008 and 2012, or 2008 and 2016, but also, like, her and Hillary Clinton are, like, tight. Like, they are buds. That's that's the word on the street about these two. So, this lady decides this, that she's going to go ahead and support Pete Buttigieg for President of the United States. That, does, to me, a mayor from South Bend, Indiana, gets somebody that high profile to start, you know, to donate to his campaign, there is something going on there. There has to be. It just doesn't make sense to me. Why wouldn't she support somebody that's more of like a realistic candidate in that sense? Somebody that still is far left because that's what she, the reason she actually, this lady, she cut ties with Barack Obama in 2012 because he wasn't far enough left for her. Because he didn't do enough for the environment. That to make her happy. So she cut ties with Barack Obama in 2012. And now she's supporting Pete Buttigieg for president. Now she's bundling money for him. There's more to this story than, than meets the eye. Why somebody from South Bend, Indiana would decide, the mayor from South Bend, Indiana would decide to run. There's got to be some people behind him. And I've been trying to do this research. I've been trying to find something that's the only piece that I've found right now. That's the piece of the puzzle that I've found. But I just wanted to let you guys know about that. This is pure speculation. But you know what? This is my podcast. I'm allowed to speculate all I want to, right? But there's more to this story. He is well-versed. Every, every single interview that he does, if they ask a similar question, it's answered the same way. Every single time. So the, the, his campaign managers, the people that are coaching him, they are doing it, doing the right thing. But there's got to be something 
higher up, somebody higher up that is kind of just, they kind of chose him for this spot. I don't know. I'm just a conspiracy theorist in this way, I suppose. I just thought that that was an interesting little perspective that one of the largest bundlers of money for Hillary Clinton is now behind his campaign as well. So this guy has the Clinton money behind him. I don't think Hillary Clinton has come out and said anything about the guy right now. It's probably way too soon for somebody as high profile as Hillary Clinton to make a decision like that anyway. But these bundlers, man, that's where the that's where the money's going to come from. Now, Pete Buttigieg has gotten some major donations from some larger corporations and stuff like that as well. Um, supposedly, he turned back turned back like thirty six thousand dollars to some of these packs, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that little bit to you guys as well uh, for this show. But my last piece that I was thinking about lately was this. I am a huge, 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 huge college football fan, and I know a lot of libertarians. We don't like we don't like sports. They don't like sports or whatever. But I am a huge college football fan, and uh, the analogy that we always use is like you're on the ninety nine. You know, you're on the you're on one yard line, and you got ninety nine yards to go, and it's a game of inches and all that. And this libertarian. This libertarian message that we have, this turning our government away from socialist values, turning young people away from socialist values, and getting people to start believing in liberty, start believing in freedom, start believing in the libertarian principles that we talk about, right? That is a game of inches also. We're on like the 99-yard line minus, you know, like we're like right on that white line we got that ball kicked us, and we're ending up. We're starting right there, man. And we have a team on the other side of us that is good. They know the game. They've been coached in it. We're like a high school football team trying to go against an NFL team right now. We are. They have the playbook on how to run government. They have the playbook on how to get the press manipulated to turn away from our message. They have that playbook. They have the playbook that says there's only two parties that you can vote for, and that's it. That's that's part of their playbook. What's our playbook? Do we have a playbook to get ourselves one more inch? We have to get, we can't just go out there and throw a Hail Mary, guys. We can't. We're on the 99th. We have 99 yards to go. We have 99 yards to get to our touchdown, right? And in football, if you're at that position, the first thing you do is you run the ball straight down the middle. Just try to get yourself some wiggle room. Get your quarterback a little bit of space from that end zone so that he can throw the ball just to get himself to the 11-yard line so he get that first down. That's what you would do. That's the playbook of football. What's our playbook? Do we have a playbook? Do we have a plan of action to get ourselves to the next level? How do we get to the first down? How do we get that first down? We're not going for a Hail Mary right now. A Hail Mary is coming in to talk to somebody and just saying, I'm an anarcho-capitalist and, and government sucks. 
That's a Hail Mary. That doesn't work. There's better ways to communicate with people. There are. Let's start working on our communication of the message. That might be a place to start. That might be a place to get us that three yards of breathing room so that our quarterback can throw the ball another seven yards and get ourselves that first down. Working on communication. Communicating the message in a way that resonates with people. That's what we can do. That's one place that we can start. But what is our playbook? Once we get to that point, what can we do then? Then we got to get people to call to action. We got to get them to move. We got to get them motivated towards action. Can they get into these little positions within local governments and start turning people towards liberty through town meetings and so forth. I don't know. I don't know what that plan of action is. I'd love to come up with that plan, though. I think that we as a group, we can come up with these plans of action. What's our playbook? Do we have a playbook? What is a way that we can make this message resonate with people? How do we get to the 10-yard line and then to the 20-yard line and to the 50-yard line? Now we're on the other team's side, and now we want to get we want to get into the red zone. Then we're going to be on our then we're going to be on that one yard line, ready to score. What do we do then? What's the play that we're going to use to get in there and score? Libertarians not going to become president of the United States. It's very unlikely. The two party system is ingrained in our society. It's very hard to change that. And if we did get somebody into a position, it needs to be, or if we need to, are we going to run a libertarian? It needs to be somebody that can communicate the message in a way that will resonate with people. So that when they get those interviews, they can start talking about the faults of Donald Trump, the faults of the Democrats, the faults of government force on people in order to get things accomplished. Let people see that identity politics, all it does is cause a division. And that's the reason why nothing can get done in Washington because of this identity politics. And then maybe they can even talk about and say, why would we want something to get done in Washington? Every time they do something, it's bad. Why don't we start pulling away from doing something and start pulling apart the different departments? But we need to come up with our playbook. That's what that's been on my mind lately is what's our playbook that we're going to have. This is a game of inches. You know the other side is doing that. The progressives, man, all they do is try to get an inch. Every single inch they can get, they take it. And they use it. And then they use then they figure out a way to get the next inch. Their first inch was Obamacare. They're going to score when they get not only Obamacare, but Medicare for all. And then that system breaks down. They say, you know what? It's because the hospitals are billing us. They're overcharging us. They're fraudulently fraudulently recharging us money. We need to take over these hospitals. We need to take over these doctors' offices. We're going to nationalize the healthcare system. That's their next inch. They're going to take it as much as they possibly can. We need to take those inches back. We need to fight just like that. We need to practice our game so that 
those NFL players that are sitting in front of us were just as good as them. But they understand the politics right now. They understand what it means to get to the next down. Ten more yards. They know how to do that. Do we? All we do is stand on the sideline right now and and watch and complain and mock people. That's what we do a lot of times. But there are people that are taking action in this in this movement. There's a Tom Woods out there that gets out there and puts a show out daily that's just amazing. The best content you could find. There's a Scott Hortons out there that he came on his 5,000th interview today. Or recently, I don't know if it was today, but it was recently. 5,000 interviews with people on the subject of anti-war. That's amazing. There are people that are out there that are doing things. Dave Smith has a great show talking about, you know, he's a very funny guy, he's a comedian, but he's also, you know, just well-known in, in the circles. He's on Fox and CNN. He's able to get that message out there just a little bit more as well. There's lots of, you've heard me feature lots of different people. But we have the ability to start not just standing on the sides and mocking the game, but getting into that game. We need to practice. We need to practice our communication skills. We need to practice and get ourselves into a position where we can be taken seriously on the national stage. Seriously, in the local stage, I think the first stepping stone would probably be if we were going to come up with a game plan. I don't know what the game plan is going to be, but if we were going to do that, one of the best things we can do probably is start at that local level, get some experience under our belts in order to get up to the state level and then the national level. But I don't know. There's got to be something that we can do to start practicing as a group. There's got to be something. We have that ability to really bring a message that people that will resonate with people. We do. Because it does. We have the answers to the problems. I talked about that the other day on my show. We have the answers to the problems that the millennials are talking about. We have the answers to the problems that the retirees are talking about. And that's limited government, less bureaucracy, more individual accountability, non-aggression, and keeping government local. And that's most likely the best track forward. So anyway, guys, but I don't know. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this as well. Go ahead, ray at ionleempire.com. You can go ahead and email me there. Let me know what you think. What's a good tracker? What's a good game plan? Put together a little game plan that's going to get us to the two-yard line and then to the three-yard line. Give me some breathing room, you know? See if you can show me some breathing room. That's all. And then from there, let's start working on a game plan to get to the next level. There's people out there that are doing it. There's people out there just communicating the message. Like what I'm doing now, like what Scott Horton's doing, like what Dom, Tom was doing. Like what, the, like what Rachel on Cannabis Heals Me is doing. All these different people that I've mentioned in the past. They're doing something. You can do something too. If we get that movement going, we'll find what our eight our we'll find our A team of people that we can get out there on that field and fight the battle and win it. Get ourselves to the 10-yard line, to the 20-yard line, into the red zone, and score. 
And that's what I'm hoping that we can do. So go ahead and come back tomorrow and uh, listen. You, all you got to do is subscribe to the show. You can come back tomorrow and see what, see what I got to say then about the 2020 elections. You can also go ahead and check me out, iontheempire.com. I on the Empire is on Twitter and Facebook as well. And then shoot me an email, ray at iontheempire.com. Tell me your story. Let me see what you're doing. Let me know what you're doing. I'll talk about it on the show. And uh, also, if you give me a review, I will read it on the show like I'm about to do right now. Yeah, so I got uh, my first review, which I was really happy about. I actually had my own review on there just to see how it worked. And it, would not, it wouldn't come off once I posted it. So if you ever see the fact that I wrote my own review, well, that's just as I was testing it back when I first got listed on, that, on Apple just to see how it worked. And I thought I could take it down. I couldn't. But anyway, this one is from Look Mano Weeds. And it's a five-star rating. Thank you very much. And it says, insightful. Ray provides great commentary on current events and solid advice for those of us looking to spread the message of everyday liberty. So thank you very much. Look, Mano Weeds, and uh, I appreciate you giving me that five-star rating and a review. You can do the same thing as well if you really like what you heard. But go ahead and subscribe to the show. Give me that five-star rating review. Then come on back tomorrow, and you'll have clear vision for 2020. So here is one organization that is doing some phenomenal things for liberty and the libertarian movement. And it's not even a libertarian website per se, uh, but it's antiwar.com. I'm actually a supporter of antiwar.com. I think it's very important, the work that they do to bring to light all of the knowledge of things that are going on across the world. I actually post a lot of links on Eye on the Empire from antiwar.com because they are bringing you the news and uh, all of the information that you need to know what's going on across the world. Whenever the things that were happening in Iran, they're the first ones on that, as well as things that are going on in Syria, things that are going on in Somalia, things that are just going on anywhere in the world. They're going to be right on top of that, posting links and articles and doing write-ups. Jason Dietz does articles on almost all of these things that are going on. So uh, go ahead and check that out. And if you want to, go and support them as well. I do. And I think it's very important, the work that they're doing over there at antiwar.com.